You've tuned in to the voice of the narrated Puritan, a ministry of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary in Owensboro, Kentucky. I have before me a first edition book that I dug up on archive.org from the Baptist author Ann Dutton. The title is called Three Letters on the Marks of a Child of God, the Soul Diseases of God's Children and Their Soul Remedies. Ann Dutton lived from 1692 to 1765. She was an English poet and Calvinist Baptist. She published about 50 titles and corresponded with George Whitfield and John Wesley. This book called Three Letters on the Marks of a Child of God, the Soul Diseases of God's Children and Their Soul Remedies, and God's Prohibition of His People's Unbelieving Fear and his great promise given for the support of their faith to their time, joy, and eternal glory. This is published in 1761. The Marks of a Child of God Dear Sir, You asked me to give you some genuine marks of a child of God. According to my weak lisping, please to take the following first. A child of God is one that has been convinced by the divine law in the hand of the Spirit of his lost and undone state, by nature and practice, is a transgressor of God's law both in heart and ways, and thence of his extreme misery as a lawbreaker, as being under its awful curse now and in apparent danger of the wrath to come, and of his utter inability to keep its righteous precepts, whence he is made to cry out under a deep sense of present and awful fear of future misery, Woe is me! For I have sinned. Woe is me, for I am undone. What shall I do to be saved? Thus a persecuting Saul, when a self-righteous Pharisee was convinced of sin by the law, and says of himself, I had not known sin but by the law. But when the commandment came, in other words, its strict purity and spirituality, its extending both to heart and life, and to thoughts, words, and actions, in its righteous precepts, and thus condemning all sin and sinners by its righteous curse, sin revived in its guilt, filth, and power. And I died, that is, was fully convinced of my exceeding great misery as a lawbreaker, and of my utter inability to be a law-keeper. This is the first work of the Spirit of God, as a spirit of bondage by the law, binding sin upon the conscience unto a thorough conviction of self-guiltiness, and self-weakness, which passes upon every child of God in order to the soul's preparation to receive a free and full salvation by the gospel, at least a regenerating work of the Holy Ghost which is instantaneous and unknown to us, as to the exact moment, is thus discovered at first, in his enlightening the mind to discern sin and misery in the soul's inability. For as we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, as we are thus brought into a declarative, visible, and pleadable relation, so in order and a faith in Christ for life and righteousness, the soul must be convinced of sin and death, of its nakedness and unrighteousness. For the whole need not a physician but they that are sick. This, therefore, is the soul's removed from nature's sandy bottom, 
in order to its being built upon that sure foundation which God has laid in Zion. Secondly, a child of God is one that has an internal revelation of Christ by the Spirit of God and to faith in Him. According to the Gospel, or He is one that has seen Jesus and the only in all sufficient Savior in His person and offices, in His fullness of grace and in the glory of his great performances, is able and willing to save the chief of sinners, and in his exceeding suitableness to the soul's miserable case, whence Christ appears altogether lovely in the soul's view, and is made above all things desirable, and exceeding precious to the heart. And thus the Apostle Paul gives us an account of this part of the Lord's work upon his heart, in making him a child of God, it pleased God to reveal a son in me, and says of all the Lord's children, we see Jesus. As this seeing of the Son by the eye of faith through the Spirit's gospel revelation of the Savior is absolutely necessary in order to our concomitant acts of faith, which in order of nature, if not of time, are consequent upon it, such as coming to him by faith's foot and receiving of him by faith's hand, and upon all which the grant of sonship and the written word proceeds. In this order, in making a child of God, our Lord intimates he that seeth the Son and believeth on him shall have everlasting life. A child of God, then, is one that, from an assuring sight of Christ, and the all-sufficient and able-willing Savior of sinners comes to him upon the free invitations of the gospel and ventures his soul upon him for a whole salvation by him. He receives the Savior as held forth in the word of promise to be received by the faith of a miserable, unworthy, vile, and guilty in every way perishing sinner. He receives Christ in all his glorious offices, in all his immense fullness, in all his great performances, in his sin-cleansing blood, and soul-justifying righteousness unto all the ends of grace, and all salvation in and with him, from all sin and misery, unto all holiness, joy, and glory, present and eternal, and gives up himself to be the Lord's entirely, and to be saved by him in his own way, and to God's glory and his felicity, and to as many as see Christ, Come to him and receive him, and thus believe on his name. He gives them power, right or privilege, to become the sons of God. Thirdly, a child of God is one that after he has thus believed in Christ is more or less sensibly sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise and to a pleasing soul-staying hope in all believers and to a prevailing persuasion in others that they are the children of God because they are sons, both by God's imminent and transient act of adoption. He sends forth the spirit of a son into their hearts, crying, Abba, Father. They receive not the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby they cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with their spirits. They are the children of God, and consequently that being children, they are heirs, heirs of God and joined to earth with Christ, and having thus received the spirit of adoption to witness their relation, and to work in them a filial disposition, their souls are struck with unholy wonder and admiration, and while in the faith of their adoption they cry with exulting joy unto God, glory.
Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Fourthly, a child of God is one that from faith in Jesus and the love of God shed abroad in his heart by the Holy Ghost, and this is great adopting act, and in all of his acts, the works of grace, is drawn out thereby to love the Lord fervently, to love God in all his persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, for his own infinite excellency, all surpassing glory, and for all his love, grace, and mercy is displayed by each of the divine persons, respectively, to love God in all his infinite perfections, in his wise counsels and firm decrees, in his precious word and wondrous works, in his righteous law and gracious gospel, in his cause and interest, in his ordinances and appointments, and in his saints and servants, to love all that are begotten of him, of all denominations, chiefly because of their relation to God, and of their bearing his image upon them, and they show this their love to God by keeping his commandments, all which they approve of his right, and to every one of which they have respect, and none of which they account grievous, but judge it their glorious liberty to thus be bound unto duty, and find it their exceeding joy, when their hearts are enlarged, to run the way of God's commandments, and they esteem it their greatest misery and slavery, when they are straitened and fettered by sin, and thus prevented from pursuing their chosen, desired, and delightful course of universal obedience. Thus, the faith of the children of God is set to work by love, and their character as such is that they love him because he first loved them, that they love God and keep his commandments, they that love the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, thus loving him which beget, they love him that is begotten of him, and by this we know, saith the Apostle John, that we are passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren, and this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Fifthly, the child of God is one that from love to God hates sin, that hates all sin, as sin, not only for its soul-destroying nature, as it brings upon a child of God present misery, and as every sin has in it the desert of eternal misery, but chiefly for its own deformity, and as it is an entire contrariety to a God of infinite purity, of all amiable beauty, and of unbounded glory, especially as it is against a God of infinite love, grace, and mercy. A child of God from love to God hates sin, as it is God dishonoring, a Christ-piercing and a spirit-grieving thing, and from this his hatred of sin he prays, watches, and strives against sin in all of its efforts. He proclaims continual war against the enemy to the Prince of Peace. He groans under sins in being, under sins working, under sins prevalence, and through forgiving grace and renewed strength from Christ's cross, he stands again to his arms and lifts up the standard of free grace against sin and all of its combined forces. And so great is the hatred of a child of God against sin that he desires nothing more than its utter destruction and can never rest till his full extirpation 
rejoices in hope thereof, and accounts add to the great and essential part of its soul salvation. Thus, to children of God, who have been convinced of sin and misery, who have seen Christ as the only remedy unto faith in him, and so rest upon him entirely, who have received a spirit of adoption to witness their relation and to work in them a filial disposition by which they love God, dare said to hate evil, while they love and serve the law of God and hate sin, which is a breach of the law according to their new spiritual and holy nature, and yet do those things which they hate according to their old carnal corrupt nature, to cry out of this their misery, with an old wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? They groan, being burdened under sin's being, working, and prevalency, and after the glorious liberty of the sons of God in perfect purity, full joy, and eternal glory, that all that mortality which now works in their spirits, and a partial death, may be perfectly and forever swallowed up of full and endless glory, life. Sixthly, a child of God is one that loves and follows after holiness, for holiness' sake, as it is the image of God's purity, and a great end unto which he was chosen of God in Christ from eternity, as it is conformity to Christ, a firstborn son of the noble family, and to which he was of old predestinated, and a special end for which by the blood of the Lamb he was redeemed. And it is a great design of the Holy Spirit in his work on the heart, and as it is the soul's felicity and has with his new nature the most pleasing congruity. He loves the law of God for its innate excellency, excellency in native purity, and serves it in the hand of Christ from a spirit of ingenuity for God's glory and his own joy. The love of God is written in his heart, and thence he copies after it in his life. To please God is pleasing to a child of God, to be enabled to do, or to suffer anything for God's honor. He accounts his honor, to walk with God in every path of duty. To a child of God is an effable felicity. He desires and follows after holiness, not to make him a justifying righteousness. That he hath in Christ, and that thereby he might enjoy and glorify God upon the earth more abundantly, and as it is his inherent meetness for the full enjoyment and perfect service of him in heaven eternally, he can never rest till he attains perfect purity to God, highest glory, and his own full and everlasting felicity. Thus a child of God delights in the law of God after the inner man, having in him this good hope through grace of seeing Christ hereafter as he is. He purifies himself here, even as he is pure. He counts it his reasonable service to glorify God in his body and in his spirit, which are his. The business it is of a child of God, an heir of promise, as assisted by grace, in the fear of God, to perfect holiness, and whatever be his present attainments, he counts not himself to have attained, but follows after, if that he may apprehend that for which he is apprehended of Christ Jesus, namely, perfect holiness, and eternal glory, and for these ends, seventhly, a child of God is one that desires to depart and to be with Christ, in his spirit, at his body's dissolution, 
and that loves and looks for Christ's appearance unto his full salvation. When in his entire person and the glory of the first resurrection, he shall see Christ as he is and be like him in perfect holiness unto God's eternal praise and to his eternal bliss. In a word then, a child of God is one that has been convinced by the law and the hand of the Spirit, of sin and misery, of his lost state by nature, as a heart, lip, and life sinner, and of his inability to keep the law for the future, that has had an eternal revelation of Christ by the Spirit according to the gospel, these, dear sir, I judge to be the genuine marks of a child of God, to tear upon all the children of God and upon them only. And whoever they be that experience these things in themselves, they may with the greatest certainty conclude that now they are the sons of God, though it does not yet appear what they shall be, who now are advanced to the unspeakable dignity of this high relation when they shall receive the adoption of the body at the morning of the resurrection and their full salvation, and see and appear with Christ in immortal glory. And Dutton. Michael Haken writes, It's a foreword to the book The Spirituality of Van Dutton by David Gay. While there are a number of first-class poetesses of the 18th century, female theological writers from that era are a distinct rarity. This makes a literary legacy of the Calvinistic Baptist theological author Ann Dutton, 1692-1765, extremely significant. However, until Joanne Ford Watson's multi-volume edition of her works, Selected Spiritual Writings of Ann Dutton, 18th Century British Baptist Women Theologian, Mercer University Press, 2003, her works were not easy to find.